D F S. It is Friday, October 14th here in Draft Shark Studios in Rochester, New York. Welcome to the Week 6 DraftKings Podcast. I'm your host, Matt Schaff. With me, as always, is Jared Smola. Jared, we should just kick things right off with this Arizona-Seattle matchup that's got plenty of fantasy upside for everybody and has, you know, a little bit of, like, rivalry for us with the Geno Smith-Kyler Murray thing going on. Cash quarterback, maybe I jumped too quickly into Arizona-Seattle, but who is your guy for DraftKings at QB? Yeah, I'm playing I'm playing Josh Allen. Um, you can definitely make an argument for Geno Smith, but I'm playing Josh Allen. I mean, the guy is averaging 32 DraftKings points per game. He's gotten pulled from two of the five games early so far because the Bills have been blowing out their opponent. Sunday's not going to be a blowout versus the Chiefs. I think Buffalo's going to win, but it's not going to be a blowout. Allen's going to play the entire game. And the, the Chiefs' defense, the Chiefs defense, their pass defense in particular, is not good. They're 19th in football outsiders, pass defense DVOA, 29th in adjusted fantasy points allowed to quarterback. So I think Allen's a good bet for 30-plus DK points again, and I'm just going to take that in cash. And there are enough values at the other positions to, to fit Allen in pretty easily this week. Yeah, so I th- that's the question. I mean, obviously, you don't have to make the case for Josh Allen in a lineup. The question is, what do you have to do to be able to fit him into a cash lineup? I don't need you to run through all of the specific guys, but what are the key moves that you need to make to get Josh Allen as your cash quarterback this week? Um, I mean, you need to play a cheap tight end, so you can't play you know, Kelsey or Mark Andrews, and you need to play at least one cheap running back or wide receiver. Um my cash, so I built my cash lineup right now has a cheap running back and a cheap receiver, which we'll get to, and it has Josh Allen and Justin Jefferson. So that that kind of you know, tells you how relatively easy it is to fit Josh Allen in there. All right. Well, I'm not as good an architect as Jared is, so I'm going to go with Geno Smith at 5,700 bucks. 75% completions for the season leads the league so far. First in PFF passing grade, fourth in QBR, third in yards per pass attempt, sixth in touchdown rate. Now he's got this matchup, which Arizona is the sixth best scoring matchup for quarterbacks on the season so far. So, I mean, I never would have dreamed that by mid-October we'd be at the point where you don't really have to make a case for Geno Smith as a fantasy yeah. starting quarterback, but... Uh, that's where we are based on what's happened so far this season. Yeah, he, he's a good play. He's too cheap. Um, he is second in their dollars per point rankings at quarterback behind Josh Allen. If you actually take away the 300-yard bonus for Allen, which we have him projected for, then Geno actually would be the top uh, dollars per point value. So I have no issue with Geno Smith. If pricing was tighter and there weren't you know as many strong, cheap plays, in my opinion, I would, I'd be fine with, with Geno and Cash. I've been trying to think, not even trying so hard, but like, the whole Geno situation of him being, you know, basically a non-entity as far as what we're expecting from him to this point in his career. Now, all of a sudden looking like a solid quarterback and it reminded me of Rich Gannon when he was like there and floating around the league, but then all of a sudden he popped up with the Raiders. He was on the plus side of 30 and you know, it's tough to trust a guy like that immediately, but at some point you have to be like, well, I got to go with what's going on right now. So just treat Geno Smith like Rich Gannon for the rest of the season. I think we'll be okay. It's, it's so funny you say that. I, I I feel like I'm a bit too young to remember like the crappy Rich Gannon years. I remember him when he was like good later in his career. But um, we, we were we were talking last Sunday watching the games, and Lenny mentioned the same exact thing that you know Rich Gannon was kind of this guy who was bad for what like six, seven, eight years, and then you know had a really good final handful of years of his NFL career. 
Yeah, he so he had 16 touchdowns, 16 interceptions in his first crack at starting in 1990 at age 25. He did not have a season with more than 12 touchdown passes after that until his age 34 season with the 1999 Raiders. So it's weird. It's not the kind of arc that you bet on, but it's not unprecedented. What Geno Smith is doing is the point. Yeah. And again, you're not paying for, um, you know, elite quarterback, Geno Smith at 5,700 bucks. You're almost still paying for the Geno Smith. We thought we were getting. Yeah. But you're getting elite quarterback, Geno Smith. (laughs) GPP side, Jared, what do you like? Yeah, I mean, the big question in GPPs this week is what you do with the Bills-Chiefs game. Um, it's tough to see it failing. It's also going to – all those players are going to be heavily on. You're not going to get anything sneaky in that game. I'm going to I'm gonna have at least one Josh Allen lineup. I'm probably not going to play a Mahomes lineup. I you know, respect Buffalo's D. I think they can at least keep Mahomes from having a monster game. So I'm going to have an Allen lineup. I also think Lamar Jackson is an awesome tournament play this week. He's $100 cheaper than Josh Allen. He's going to be – a third, a fourth of the ownership. And Lamar Jackson has the potential to match or beat Josh Allen in fantasy points this week. I mean, Lamar has been disappointing the last two weeks. That That's come against the Bills and Bengals. They're first and seventh in adjusted fantasy points allowed to quarterbacks. He gets the Giants this week. They're 26th against quarterbacks. And you only have to look back to week two and three. Lamar Jackson, 49 and 43 DraftKings points in those games. So Again, I think I think there's a there's a chance that Lamar is the highest scoring quarterback on the slate, and if that happens, and you play him at you know a third of the ownership of Josh Allen, you're in a great spot. Yeah, and I agree with the not really going after Mahomes lineups. I think one other thing working against him, you know, besides the ultimate upside of Josh Allen and Lamar Jackson here, is that MVS and Juju Smith Schuster, neither one it has the path that you can say yeah this is going to be the big week for this guy neither one is the kind of receiver that you have to be scared of missing on like they have a good shot at two touchdowns and they both seem like they're headed for ownership high enough that even if you happen to pick a guy that scores twice it's not like you're getting an advantage on that much of the field especially when you consider just how much focus there is on this particular matchup so I agree with leaning away from them and I think that you can get some exposure to this game by playing Travis Kelsey by playing one of the bills receivers without having to play one of those quarterbacks. So in addition to Lamar Jackson, I also like Kirk cousins at six K against Miami's league worst pass defense. I like Geno Smith here at 5,700. I think the ownership will be up on him some, but I don't think it's going to get to the point of Josh Allen for sure. Um, the high ownership on Tyler Lockett, I think hurts the Geno Smith tournament lineup case a little bit, but not to the point where it's keeping him out of my plans. And then one more is Tom Brady at 6,300 against Pittsburgh. I think, you know, he doesn't have the rushing. So that stops him from having the ultimate ceiling of somebody like Josh Allen or Lamar Jackson, but very high pass volume for them over the past few weeks, 52 pass attempts in two straight games. One of those a victory over Atlanta. So we're going to have a pass happy offense. He's topped 350 yards in two straight. So a solid bet to get that 300 point bonus facing a defense that doesn't hold any threats. Um, likely to get a little bit lower ownership on Brady and his receivers. And I think that you kind of make up for the difference in upside by playing two of his pass catchers so that if he does go off, you know, like 370, 400 yards, even four touchdowns, you soak up all of that as opposed to worrying about what the Josh Allen owners are getting from him. Yeah. You hit on the two guys, Brady and cousins that I'm considering outside of, you know, Josh Allen 
and Lamar Jackson. Um, like you said, the Bucks fast back to super pass heavy. I think this based on the matchup should be a pass heavy game plan from the Vikings as well. Minnesota's already seventh in pass rate over expected. So they've already been a fast leaning offense. And I think Miami's going to force them that way. I'll talk um, some more about their pass catchers when we get to the wide receivers, but with Gino, I mean, I, I want to play him in tournaments, but if his ownership stays at 12%, that's kind of tough for me to, to make that play. And we have the Tyler Lockett hamstring injury now, which is throwing a wrench into my entire GPP playing because I wanted to have a ton of Tyler Lockett. Um, so we'll see, you know, how what he does in Friday's practice and how he's listed on the final injury yeah, report. That one, so, yeah. yeah, here we go. So, yeah, I, I guess <laughs> with that, I'm leaning a bit more Kirk Cousins and Tom yeah. Brady as well. And then one final note on the Brady matchup. The Pittsburgh's 18th in pass defense DVOA, so middle of the league in that one, but third most friendly to quarterbacks by our adjusted fantasy points allowed. You can find those adjusted fantasy points allowed on various pages on DraftSharks.com. You can also find the pass rate over expected that Jared was just referencing in an article that was just up for the first time this week on DS, right? Yeah, we have a new contributor. Uh, Timmy Hernandez was actually a wide receiver at Oregon state too uh, recently. So that's kind of cool. Um, yeah. He's doing uh pass rate over expected stuff for us every week now. So that'll be up on, on draft sharks for free. So he adds not only statistical analysis, but brings up our speed as well. <laughs> for sure. Running back for cash. Jared, what do you like? And there are a ton of attractive running back plays this week. Um, I'm starting with Ramondre Stevenson for 6,000 bucks. And this is assuming Damian Harris is out, which, which I think is a safe bet. We'll probably find out for sure this afternoon. But if that's the case, it's going to be a couple of rookies behind Stevenson here. Uh, Pierre Strong and then the Patriots promoted Kevin Harris from the practice squad yesterday. You know, fourth and sixth round rookies, they have zero touches combined this season. I don't think Bill Belichick is going to trust those guys with big roles. So I think you're going to see Stevenson handle, you know, 80 to 90% of this backfield work in a really good matchup against the Browns who are um, dead last in both football outsiders, run defense, DVOA and adjusted fantasy points allowed to running backs. I would say promoting Kevin Harris from the practice squad during the week is a clearer sign that Damian Harris is not playing than anything that the limited practices tell us. I would not be at all shocked though, if we end today with Damian Harris listed as questionable, just knowing what the Patriots like to do in general. I'd like that because that'll keep people off Stevenson a little bit. I think, you know, people that aren't paying attention enough. (laughs) Right. Yeah. So I agree that there are lots of options out here. Brees Hall at 5,800, I think is attractive. He's really on track to be a guy very soon. That's in the seven K range for salary. So I think we should Mm -hmm. go ahead and take advantage before he gets there. He's also in play for large field tourneys. I don't think the ownership rate on him is going to be too high. It's not, he's not sneaky, but he's not going to get to the point where he's owned by um, too large a chunk of the field. And then Joe Mixon makes me a little bit uncomfortable, but 6,900 bucks. He is priced well below what his touch count is, what his role in the offense is. He leads the league in touches. Salary is really more in line with the disappointing production from that. And the Saints are a negative scoring matchup for running backs once again. Probably more of a tournament play than a cash play Mm -hmm. on Mixon just because of the disappointing performance so far. But I do think that he's cheap enough at 6,900 to be in play for a cash lineup if that kind of salary fits. He's had at least three receptions in every game. So again, the usage, not at all a problem. All he really needs to do is get lucky on a touchdown to not let us down at that level. Yeah, I think Mixon for 6,900 would be a cash play for me most weeks. But again, there are so many options this week. I definitely don't think Mixon is a must. I, I prefer Alvin Kamara in that game for $200 cheaper. You know, he's We've only gotten two healthy games out of Kamara this season, but he, he's seen really strong usage 
in those games, including a 20% target share. So you like that. Um, then I'm, I'm playing Eno Benjamin in cash, assuming James Conner and Darrell Williams are out. Um, that would leave sixth-round rookie Keontae Ingram behind Eno Benjamin. I don't think they're going to load Benjamin up with, you know, like over 20 touches because he's a smaller guy. But he can, get, he can contribute in the passing game. I think you're going to get, you know, four or five, six targets out of him, maybe 10 to 14 carries. Um, and he gets the Seattle defense, which is very bad. And he's just 4,600 bucks. So Benjamin, again, is, you know, one of the cheap guys I'm playing to fit in both Josh Allen and Justin Jefferson. And even though I would agree on not projecting him for 20 plus touches, there's always the chance that he gets that in a random mm-hmm. game because it's not like they would be planning to do that over the course of the season. So, yeah, I agree with, you uh, know, Benjamin being in the mix. GPP side. I'm going to start with Kareem Hunt at 5,700, 16th in opportunity share among running backs on the main slate, 23rd among all running backs in total touches for the season, leads all running backs in red zone opportunities, according to our historical stats page. He's got two more red zone opportunities than Nick Chubb so far, who ranks third in that category. So the combo of those two guys being among the top three shows that the Browns are giving their running backs a lot of those opportunities. Kareem Hunt right in the mix for those high value opportunities with Nick Chubb. They're playing what should be a run funnel defense in the Patriots this week. He's projected for very low ownership right now versus his price and his role so far. So Kareem Hunt definitely squarely uh, inside of my tournament lineup plans. For sure. Yeah. Again, there's so many good running back plays this week that there's going to be some strong guys that just get overlooked because you can't play everyone. So Hunt is definitely on my list. The Browns are three point home favorites in this game. So that's a good setup for the ground game. Um, I think at the same price tag, Raheem Mostert, 5,700 bucks. Um, you know, he returned to a limited practice on Thursday. We'll see what he does on Friday and how he's listed on the final injury report. I, I still think he's probably more just getting some rest, uh, you know, during the middle of the week than having a, a actual knee injury, but we'll see on that. But, um, you know, Mostert, 70% of the Dolphins' offensive snaps over the last two weeks, 77% of the running back carries, even has an 8.5% target share over that. Um, time frame. So he, he's, you know, getting like at least strong RB2 level usage. So I like the price tag here against a, a pretty beatable uh, Vikings run defense. And then I like Aaron Jones too for tournaments, 7,600 bucks. We'll see if last week's usage was the start of a trend or, you know, more just a one week blip where you had Jones playing 73% of the Packers offensive snaps. I'm kind of buying into it just because again, I think he's been their best running back. I think the Packers kind of went into the season thinking, okay, let's just split this 50, 50 down the middle, keep both Dylan and Jones fresh and healthy, but Jones is just outplayed Dylan. So I think they might kind of start moving towards him as the clear leader. And it's just a good setup for the Packers offense and the running game. in general. you have green Bay seven point home favorites against the Jets. They have the fourth highest implied total on the main slate. So there's always big touchdown upside with Aaron Jones. I'm I'm less willing to bet that last week is the start of a trend as opposed to an outlier. I, we'll we'll see. Maybe that is the case. But the good part there is we don't need that to be the case for Aaron Jones to make sense. Even if it's back to a split, there's still plenty of upside, both receiving and touchdown wise. I want to talk a little bit about Kenneth Walker, 5,400 bucks. He's projected for higher ownership, according to our numbers right now, than Brees Hall and Raheem Mostert in the same range. Mm -hmm. You can easily make the upside case for Kenneth Walker, the player. But looking at that, I would much rather play Brees Hall and Raheem Mostert in the same range over Kenneth Walker. Me too. Um, And I I think Walker's a good value for the price tag. And like in in other weeks, I'd consider playing him in cash. He's he's not going to make my top three this week for cash. And I think at the ownership 
I am going to fade him in tournaments. Um, the Cardinals have actually been pretty solid against the run this season. It's their pass defense that's been very bad. And we, we just don't know how big a role Walker is going to play in the passing game, which is big on DraftKings with the full PPR. So I'm probably going to end up fading Walker in tournaments. I, one other running back to talk about here. We already talked about him on the cash side, but I wonder, Jared, if the situation is so good for Ramondre Stevenson that we just go ahead and play him a fair amount. Obviously not you know in every single lineup, but a fair amount despite – high ownership projection. And I saw from Justin Freeman on Twitter this week at Justin Freeman, 18, he tweeted this thread that in part talked about how the chalk on players right now isn't as high as it once was. So like, if you get this chalk running back, he might be more like 25% owned in a, in a large field tournament versus 40% a few years ago. And that's, you know, different enough that it it should impact the decisions on a specific player less than it did when it was higher. Yeah, that that's totally like the next level of DFS. And I was like, people are looking at ownership projections, seeing someone is high owned, and then not playing them because of that. I you know, I I play the you know not high dollar tournaments, but you know more mid stakes where it's you know fifty hundred dollar single entry tournaments, and it's even more pronounced in those where like the chalk just isn't as chalky because people are factoring in the ownership stuff. So it's, it's a, it's a whole another stage of thinking you need to go through when, you know, trying to pick out these tournament plays. To me, Stevenson is just so well set up for work and likely success that I I would not fade him just because he's highly owned this week. Yeah. I'm going to have a ton of Stevenson in, in tournaments. There's the chance that he just goes off, hits 120 yards and scores twice. And like, you know, you get left out by not playing him as opposed to advantage right. on the field yeah 120 and two on the ground and he could catch you know four or five passes because he's he's doing that for the for the patriots as well mm-hmm. so cash for wide out jared where are you starting yeah, again we'll see about tyler lockett um with, with the hamstring he's a good value if he's if we can project him for his normal role but i i'm gonna play rondell moore he's the cheap wide receiver i'm gonna play just 4200 bucks still i mean he ran around a 91 percent of the pass plays last week was in the slot for 83 percent of his snaps that's where we want him um got the eight targets last week and 19 percent target share good matchup against seattle you know, he, he's just too cheap for the role and uh volume we can project him for right now yeah, it's Greg Dorch. You go ahead and play that in your DFS lineups. Yeah, it would have been it would be nice to pair him with Tyler Lockett. I wish we had a Tyler Lockett because I'd just be a nice way to start things out. Lockett at fifty six hundred, Rondale Moore at forty two hundred, and then you kind of build out from there. Christian Kirk, I feel okay about at fifty eight hundred though, especially mm-hmm. if we need a replacement for Tyler Lockett in that same range. His salary is down eight hundred dollars versus the past two weeks, thanks to Jacksonville struggles in those two games. He was over nineteen DK points in each of the first three games this year that included a season high 25.8 DK points against the Colts in week two. I think the ownership projection is plenty low enough to put him in play for tourney lineups, but I do believe in Kirk enough to have him in play for cash here. The Jaguars, obviously it would be better if they didn't struggle the way they did the past two weeks, but Kirk has at least had the usage every time, even though the, the two down games for him as well, the past two weeks, he had the nine targets against the Eagles. He was um, on the field more than any other uh, Jaguars pass catcher last week. So, you know, it's no game has truly been worrisome for him in terms of role and likely production, I think. Yeah, I like Kirk. I think he bounces back this week. I actually had him as a tournament play, but I do think if you want to kind of build out a Tyler Lockett lineup and then you know, save the 200 bucks to just get up to Christian Kirk. Or, I mean, uh, Jacoby Myers is 300 less than Tyler Lockett. I think he's a pretty solid cash game play. Tyler Boyd is $5,100. Um, if T. Higgins is out, I think he's a nice cash game play. So there there are other options in that range if you just want to, you know, 
hope you can get Tyler Lockett, but if, if not, then you can pivot down to those guys. And then, and then yeah, again, I'm playing Justin Jefferson in cash, 8,900 bucks. I'm going to pay it. Um, I just love this spot for the Vikings passing game. As you talked about, Matt, the Dolphins have just been a, a pass funnel. They're much tougher against the pass than the run versus the run than the pass. Teams are kind of acting accordingly, going pass heavy against Miami. So I expect that from Minnesota. And we have uh, Xavier Howard, who is iffy for this week. It looks, I think he's going to play. He's been limited in practice the first two days of the week. Um, but, you know, he's not going to be at 100, percent and that's that's trouble when you're facing facing Justin Jefferson. And frankly, he's talented, but he hasn't been a shutdown guy in terms of stopping yeah. uh, opposing receivers from getting their numbers. And uh, Justin Jefferson's not a guy that you bench for a matchup anyway. So, yeah, like that. Um, other guys I'm throwing in here. We talked some about the Bills Chiefs matchup. Gabe Davis at 6,500 looks like he's going to come in lower owned than he really should. 5% is the early projection. We'll watch those numbers bounce around and see where they end up over the weekend. But like, Gabe Davis, you know, clearly Stefan Diggs is the top bet here, but he's not a lock to outscore Gabe Davis straight up. So I think that I would be surprised if Davis is in the single digits. And if he is, I mean, he's a smash play from there because we already saw in the playoffs last year what the ultimate ceiling for him is in this game that is projected to have more points than any other um, on the week. Yeah. And I mean, if you want to talk about this game a bit more, the Chiefs and Bills have met four times over the past two seasons. The, the Chiefs have held Diggs down pretty well in all four of those games. He hasn't had a, a big game despite Josh Allen putting up some nice numbers. So that's, I would guess, obviously been part of their game plan is to kind of, you know, limit Diggs and make the rest of these guys beat them. Gabe Davis obviously did that in last year's playoff meeting. I, I'd be surprised if he comes in at 5%, but, you know, what we'll see as that ownership, uh, as the ownership projections change over the next couple of days. I thought it was interesting, too, that for the Chiefs in that big playoff matchup last year with lots of points and all that, Travis Kelsey was the only Chief with an average depth of target deeper than 5.9 yards. Tyreek Hill was at 5.3 in that game. Mm -hmm. So I was looking at that for what that means for this year's Chiefs receivers. Uh, MVS is at 11.1 in ADOT. Juju's at 7.4. So obviously, if we're looking short ADOT, that kind of favors Juju. I think, though, that they both spend – they both spent – close to the same amount of time in the slot. So there's a chance for either of those guys to be running short stuff. The mm-hmm. Again, though, the combo of salary plus the projected ownership on both of them, which is double digits right now. I just, yeah. I don't love either of the two main Chiefs wideouts. Makes me wonder if maybe Nicole Hardman is in play as like the sneaky guy. He's got the run after catchability, likely to be much lower owned than the other two. I also wonder if one of the running backs is the sneaky play here if you're looking for a sleeper in the matchup. CEH, 6,300 is a little bit expensive for his role, which has been variable, but you know he's been the touchdown scorer among their running backs. Jarek McKinnon, though, 4,700 bucks. Yeah. He's 1,600 cheaper than CEH. He's only two opportunities behind CEH in the red zone, 12 to 10 in favor of Edwards Elaire so far. Yeah, McKinnon is the guy I would consider if you're in like a you know, if you're in the Millie maker or some other, you know, big multi-entry tournament, um, I just, I just hate wasting a running back spot on someone like that, where, you know, the projection is just so low, but I, I do think, I mean, he looks good last time out, he got, you know, more playing time than he had been. Um, and if I think McKinnon, you know, is kind of the chief's guy, if they're playing from behind. So if you're playing a Josh Allen stack, hoping for the, the bills to get out to a lead, I think McKinnon makes some sense. It, it would be tough, tough for me to do. And I'm d- definitely not going to be doing it in the single entry tournaments, but um, yeah, it's a good point you make. You know, the, the Bills' defense just keeps everything in front of them. That's, that's what, what they do. They don't give up deep balls. And you know, Tyree Kill beat them 
last year by taking those short passes for long gains. And, I, you know, Juju can't do that. MBS theoretically can because he's fast, but he really hasn't done it much throughout his career. So I just I, I can't get myself to play either of those Chiefs wideouts. Yeah, that's where I'm leaning as well. That's what made me wonder about McCall Hardman. But, you know, I, obviously beyond those top two, it's like, well, maybe this could work out. And you have to yeah. I, I would have to be playing a bunch of tournament lineups to, to get to that point, as opposed to having it being a central strategy. I mean, and the thing with Hardman is he's losing snaps now to Sky Moore. And that might continue. You may, we might see those guys play a similar number of snaps on Sunday. Yeah. Tyler Boyd, I like on this side as well. 5,100. You tend to think of him and players like him as more of a cash play, but if he's their wide receiver too in this game, and it certainly seems like it's trending that way, he's got plenty of target and reception upside, especially in a matchup that's again, tough on running back scoring and the Bengals running game has been disappointing so far. So there's plenty of, you know, reception upside and Tyler Boyd gets seven catches. He's got a shot to hit that. Uh, hundred yard bonus as well. Marquise Brown, I think is headed for lower ownership than I would have guessed probably because of $7,200 salary, but yep. you know, looking at him, his usage so far, 10 plus targets in every game from week two on and the matchup, which has been terrific for wide receivers. If he's headed for single digit ownership, he should be somebody to definitely force into lineups. Yes. I like the Brown call. Um, he, he feels expensive, but he, that, he that's a fair price based on the usage he's been getting. And like you said, this plus matchup. So um, two more expensive wide receiver. I mean, you know, my, my tournament bill this week is definitely going to be going expensive at wide receiver and cheaper at running back. Um, so two more expensive receivers. I like uh, Jamar chase. I'm assuming we're going to have no T Higgins this week. So, you know, I think chase is a good bet for 10 plus targets and Marshawn Latimer is iffy for the saints. He did not practice on Wednesday or Thursday. That'd be a massive loss if they don't have him for this chase matchup. Um, and then Mike Evans, 7,000 bucks. The Steelers are dead last in adjusted fantasy points allowed to wide receivers. They've already allowed the Steelers to have five wide receivers to score 26 plus DraftKings points against them through five games. So that secondary is struggling. We know Mike Evans is a guy who can you know, go for a hundred plus yards and a couple touchdowns any given week. So I, I like him in tournaments a lot. He's coming in at low projected ownership. I think he's at 5% right now. Yeah. Only makes him and Tom Brady more attractive. I think on this week's slate tight end, I think you can start out, you know, you can just look at the expensive guys if you want to, but if you want to not factor in the tight end salary yet, you can look in the 3K range. We got Hayden Hurst at 3,300. We've got um, Evan Ingram at 3,500, Irv Smith at 3,200. I would love to say that I have a specific favorite among those guys, but they're 11th, 12th, and 13th at the position and target so far. Ingram and Hurst are separated by one catch in Hurst's favor so far. 11 total yards in Ingram's favor. Hurst has two touchdowns versus zero for Ingram, but the end zone targets are two to one in Ingram's favor. They're eight, nine. Those two guys are in our PPR rankings this week. And then, you know, Irv Smith has been the disappointing receiver among the three, especially so far, but he might have the best matchup, worst pass defense in the league, fourth most friendly tight end scoring matchup. So all three of these guys, I think you can make the case for any of them if you want to just get a cheap tight end in there. Yeah, Irv, I like. He's going to be the tournament play for me just because I don't trust his role as much as I do the other two guys. So I, I like you said, the matchup's great for Irv Smith. I like the Vikings passing game in general this week. So I'm going to be using him in tournaments. I prefer Evan Ingram if I can, you know, afford the 200 extra dollars for cash over Hayden Hurst. I just like his matchup better. Uh, the Colts are 26th in Football Outsiders tight end coverage rankings, 22nd in adjusted points allowed to tight ends, and we saw the Jags feature Evan Ingram when these teams met in, in Week Two. Um, Ingram led 
Jacksonville with eight targets in a game that Trevor Lawrence only threw it 30 times because it was a blowout win for the Jags. So 27% target share for Evan Ingram, Evan Ingram in that game. I think he's a, he's a really safe target, but so is Hayden Hurst though, especially if T Higgins does not play Hurst uh, 20% of Cincinnati's targets last week when Higgins only played a few snaps. You mentioned the positive matchups for all those guys. The best tight end scoring matchup so far has been Seattle. They get Zach Ertz at 4,900 bucks. I, I, I'm not sure that he fits into the cash build at that salary level where you either go above him or below him. Definitely a solid tourney option though. He's fourth among tight ends in targets on the season. He would rank 19th among wide receivers in targets on the season. There are only 10 wideouts ahead of him in targets on the year on this main slate. So I think beyond tight end, even I think Ertz fits as a flex option on this particular slate. He's the fifth most expensive tight end, but he's tied for just 29th among wideouts in price right now, he would be wide receiver 27 on the year in total PPR points. So like if you want to get Travis Kelsey or Mark Andrews into that tight end slot, I think you can still look at Zach Ertz like he's a cheap wideout and consider him for a flex spot this week. For tournaments, right? I mean, I wouldn't do that yeah. for cash. Yeah, I think it's viable. There are not many cheap wide receivers I really like for tournaments. So I think that's worth considering Ertz in the flex spot. I do like him a lot for tournaments. You don't think of Ertz as a high upside guy and that he, he's not going to you know, break off a 40 yard catch. Like, you know, even like David and Joku could, um, but the volume gives Ertz upside. And also Ertz leads all tight ends with a 42% target share inside the red zone so far this season. So you know, he's kind of been Kyler Murray's go-to guy when they're near the end zone. So, you know, I think there's definitely a touchdown upside. It's because it's him and shrimps and exactly. the mummy of AJ green. <laughs> exactly. And, you know, speaking of his yardage, I mean, we had 179 receiving yards from TJ Hawkinson against the Seattle defense. So if Zach Ertz is going to break a long one like he did in one game last year <laughs> after joining the Cardinals, this is the spot. Yeah. I mean, Hawkinson's a big time athlete. Um, Ertz, Ertz isn't, but yeah, I, I, I like him. Yeah. <laughs> All right. Who else you got? Um, I'm going to mention George Kittle again. You know, it didn't work out last week, but I still think playing George Kittle at $5,100 at low ownership in a good matchup against Atlanta, the Niners have a 25-point implied total. You know, it's it's like seven or eighth highest this week because it's projected to be a high-scoring week, but that's that's still a nice implied total. So I think Kittle's worth playing. Then I, I'm going to try to have a ton of Mark Andrews too. Um, I go back to, I don't know what it is now, but I think after like the first four weeks, it was like, you know, three of the first – four weeks the millie maker was one with a team with either, either travis kelsey or mark andrews just because you know those guys you know one of them's probably putting up like 25 plus points this week and if no other tight end scores more than like 15 you know you're probably going to need one of the, these two elite tight ends i like andrews i think he's going to be lower owned than travis kelsey he's seven thousand um, dollars and he gets a good matchup the giants are 25th in adjusted fantasy points allowed to tight ends yeah, we'll see where the numbers go, but he's projected ahead of um, it- Kelsey in ownership right now. So we'll see if that changes in the weekend. I think they'll both be up there where I'm not sure that it's going to make a huge difference between them. Yeah. But uh, that's that's one potential mark in, in Kelsey's favor versus Andrews. The other thing, uh, of course, is that Mark Andrews is playing in a game where it's projected for eight fewer total points than Bill's Chiefs. Right. Maybe we just get a more sluggish game, but... You know, obviously what we're shooting for here is a Ravens blowout that he is the guy soaking up targets and getting those touchdown opportunities from your Lamar Jackson lineup. 
Yeah, just 12% projected ownership for Andrew, so I'll definitely play that if that's the case. I also think all these Bills and Chiefs are going to come in higher on than they're projected just because people are going to be stacking that game and just naturally playing these guys. Mm -hmm. On defense, Panthers sit there at $2,400 at the top of our DK dollars per point, and they face the Rams, who should absolutely not be a good matchup for a fantasy defense, but they have been the second-best scoring matchup four fantasy defenses on the year by our adjusted fantasy points allowed. So I'm just going to go with the Panthers here and not even bother trying to fit any others in, you know, cash lineups and probably most of the time for tournaments. Yeah, me too. I'm playing the Panthers. Um, I think this, I think the fact that the Rams are a good matchup is legit. I think it's going to continue. The O-line is horrible and they have like two viable pass catchers in Cooper cup and, and Tyler Higby. It's just, it's just not a good offense right now. And the Panthers defense is solid. I mean, it's, it's a you know middle of the pack defense. I think they're actually, um, eighth among main slate defenses in DraftKings points per game so far. Mm-hmm. If salary doesn't matter, if you're looking at uh, ownership rates for a GPP lineup, the Vikings look like they're trending for very low ownership and they're going to be facing Skylar Thompson. So if you can afford a $3,400 defense, you can play them. Skylar Thompson last week took pressure on 21 of his 35 dropbacks, which is obscene. Like you, they should have, um, they should have challenged, they should have, uh, charged the Jets defense with assault in that game. 16 quarterback hits. So if you look at the line, it's two sacks for Thompson. It looks like it wasn't that bad. 16 quarterback hits. There were a couple of Jets with five plus hits in that game. So there, it could be an ugly game for the Miami offense here. For sure. Yeah. I like that play. I mean, I, I though prefer Jacksonville for $3,000 and I think that's a better defense in Minnesota. Matt Ryan's been a disaster. Matt Ryan has seven interceptions and 11 fumbles through five games. Now he's only lost three of those fumbles, but that that's just, that's lucky. You know, those are 50, 50. He's going to start losing more of those. Um, and the, Col- the Colts line just isn't good. Like th- that was an elite O line for the past handful of years. It's a, you know, it's a bottom 10 O line right now. So I think it sets up really nicely for Jacksonville who, you know, of course shut out Indianapolis when they played in week two. Yeah, I focus on yardage for the uh, underdog pickums article every week, but Matt Ryan over <laughs> 0.5 interceptions might be the best bet every week at this point. Yeah, I think it is. <laughs> That's going to do it for this week six DraftKings podcast. Head over to DraftSharks.com now to play around with the lineup generator. Build your own lineups to play on DraftKings, on FanDuel, and on Yahoo. You can also find Jared's articles highlighting the top picks for both cash and GPP entries on DraftKings only if, if you're a DS insider and it's not too late to become that you can become a DS insider right now and then just roll it into next draft season as well. We'll keep you going and hit you with all the goodness for Jared Smola and the rest of the draft sharks crew. I'm Matt Shaft saying thanks so much for swimming with us.